If you like weird history, true crime, haunted and paranormal, then pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a video component to our favorite Ghost Town episodes at youtube.com slash Jason Horton. Episodes like The Los Feliz Murder House, The Toxic Lady, The Black Dahlia, Janis Joplin's Hotel Room, The Haunted Roosevelt Hotel, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. That's youtube.com slash J-A-S-O-N-H-O-R-T-O-N. And while you're there, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Nice shirt. Also, do you like podcasts? Sure you do, which is why you should listen to Ghost Town, our comedy podcast about the abandoned, mysterious, haunted, and unexplored. From the Berlin Wall to the Los Feliz Murder House to the room that Janis Joplin died in, we'll be there. If it's cool with our lawyers. We have lawyers? Go with it. Wherever it is, we're going to hash it out and, I don't know, probably solve it. And we have mugs. We have mugs? Go with it. Ghost Town, a podcast about mysterious, abandoned, unexplored places. Subscribe to Ghost Town on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Christine Blackburn. That name sounds familiar. She has been on a previous episode, and she's back for round two. You know, sure, you know, she's doing more interesting and exciting things, and I wanted to be updated. She has a long-running podcast called Storyworthy. She has a brand new podcast called Screwed Up Stories. So it's a lot of stories, and I was recently on an episode of Storyworthy again. So I had a round two, so make sure to go check that out. It was really interesting. Something I didn't know before is that she, uh, Christine was a flight attendant in like the late 80s and into the 90s, which is a very interesting time if you remember flying, you know, I mean, definitely before 9-11 um, and just the uh, the kind of somewhat lax, I mean, not really lax necessarily, uh, but it was just things that, you know, ashtrays in the, you know, armrests, uh, and she talked about having, you know, silverware and glass and all these things that are, you know, I mean, obviously considered dangerous uh, was part of the experience and uh, like smoking sections, there'd be the whole plane would, there's no difference really where you're sitting, even though there'd be like a non-smoking section and a smoking section. I mean, the smoke travels. It I guess it's just things that uh, I've forgotten about or maybe didn't register because it was normal. So, uh, yeah, so it's very, very interesting. Uh, we talk about a lot of stuff. She has a solo show coming up as well. And she talks about uh, being a flight attendant, which I, I found super interesting and captivating. So uh, I, I know her, her solo show is going to be amazing. And speaking of amazing, Robin Hood. It's like one of my top apps that I look at. I'm a little bit obsessed. I've mentioned it before. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. Nice. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Nice. Non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. I like that. Simple and intuitive, with clear design and data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Very intuitive, which is important to me. I'm not I'm not looking to be confused. I'm looking for straightforward, 
and Robin Hood delivers that. No cost, no commission fees. That's amazing. Those can add up. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees, trade stocks, and keep all of your profits. I like it. Robinhood also has easy-to-understand charts and market data. Place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. So easy. And Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at friends.robinhood.com. That's friends.robinhood.com. Happy New Year, by the way. How is it going so far? I, I think it's going okay. I guess there's not been enough into the new year for me to make a decision, but I can't complain. I don't know if you're familiar, but I have a, another show called Ghost Town that I co-host, and uh, that's been a super exciting, time-consuming but fun, and we are currently on the Apple Podcasts Scary Stories, so that's nice and really, really good company, and we are working on doing some live shows. You know, I've done Friends Without Benefits Live before, and uh, there's been some interest in Ghost Town doing some live performances, so we are currently working on that and other exciting stuff. You can find Ghost Town Anywhere you get podcast, the Instagram is Ghost Town Pod, and we have a Patreon. We have bonus episodes every month, and they're really stacking up. So if you can't get enough of haunted, abandoned, true crime, mysterious places, uh, and you want some bonus episodes, that's patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Last night I was at a show at the Forum in L.A. It's actually my second time being there, a historical landmark stadium, arena, whatever it is technically, of music going back to the 60s, and I'm infatuated with L.A. history, and you could might be able to tell by listening to Ghost, po- uh, Ghost Town podcast. I keep saying Ghost Town pod because that is the Instagram and it's all the things, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But Instagram is where all the pictures are, so, you know, you want to head over there. And uh, I saw the band Ghost previously, but last night I was a guest of the band Disturbed, which is a band uh, which at first was kind of like a guilty pleasure for me and then became a not-so-guilty pleasure. And I'm not, you know, their number one fan, but I, I don't know. I like some of their songs. I don't know. Do I have to apologize for that? But it was super fun. The band has a very cool, inclusive vibe. Everyone seemed to be having a really good time. I got the privilege of getting some access to the whole arena, for the most part, anyway. Got to see what it was like uh, kind of behind, well, well behind, like the drum kit and the monitors and the guitar techs and, of course, uh, the forum club which has free food, let's be real. It was great. I was very excited. But it was cool going down all the hallways of the forum because it showed photos from all the amazing bands that have played. Everyone has performed there. You know, Led Zeppelin to Lady Gaga, I guess, if I'm picking L's. But if you name them, they're there. Uh, took some pic- I took a picture of Freddie Mercury that was really interesting. He looked a lot like Tim Curry. I thought it was Tim Curry for a second. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. 
of course, Bruce Springsteen. And I just, I mean, I, I could theoretically stare at every single photo and see when, what year they performed. I'm just into that. You know what else I'm into? HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. My wife does a lot of the cooking, but sometimes I'm left to my own devices, and HelloFresh, thank you. You've, like, I made it, and I followed it, and it tasted really good. I was like, did I do that? Did I make that happen? I'm eating by myself, so people are just have to take my word for it. But achieving your 2019 goals is as easy as enjoying delicious home-cooked meals with HelloFresh. Fresh, pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow six-step picture recipe cards are delivered to your door each week in a special insulated box. I like portion. You know what I mean? I like portions. And they're amazing portions that are perfect. And that's helping me stay on track in 2019 and keeping my lifestyle, my fitness, and my weight in check. All meals come together in 30 minutes max. Call for less than two pots and pans and require minimal cleanup. I love all of those things. I don't have to spend a lot of time looking for a zillion pots and pans. Well, my wife cooks. That's how she does it. You know, she she cooks with about a zillion things. But HelloFresh keeps it nice Minimal, easy, perfect. There's three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between for when your tastes change. And sometimes they do. Sometimes you want to switch it up. Get out of that recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone by discovering new, delicious recipes. Take advantage of HelloFresh's special offer for 2019. Get $80 off your first month by going to HelloFresh.com slash Friends80 and enter Friends80 in the promo code. That's HelloFresh.com slash Friends80 and enter Friends80 in the promo code. All right, let's get into my conversation with Christine Blackman. Communism would be right up your alley. This is what I'm thinking. You know, I don't need, um, like Steve Jobs. You know the way he dressed? That's what I'm going to start dressing. Very, like, minimalist. Just in cream. Yeah. One, mono, <laughs> monochromatic, I guess that would be. Yeah. I'm going to turn this off. All right. It's cool. off. We're going. We're going. We're in it. We're doing it. Uh, so I guess we won't be talking too much uh, about uh, reality TV because we found out that you do not But that's like kind of it. interesting, and we yeah. can talk about that. Well... Uh, because uh, we're going to discuss uh, your your new show, but the co-host of your new show, I don't want to spoil it. New no, but show, t- yeah, touch on it, though. Uh, she's uh, kind of connected to the Vanderpump Rules uh, world um, of, of Bravo, whatever. And I'm I'm not a big reality TV person, but I, for some reason, really like that show. My wife watches all the shows, uh, and uh, Vanderpump Rules is something that we just kind of connected with, I guess maybe because it's, a little younger, and it takes place in Los Angeles. But your your co host Rachel uh, is is in that world, right? She. It's I didn't even bit... know we were recording yet. Are we? <laughs> You're so smooth. Oh, I'm so smooth. No, we can be. Yes, we are. Okay, we're in it. We're in it. You don't know. You don't know. It's. A, it's I could be. Uh, it's I could be at home. Trick. I could be asking you questions, and it's not even on. You know, <laughs> and it's just out there in the ether. Uh, okay. What was the question? Uh, 
Well, we're talking about we were just Rachel about, on yeah. Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, yes, she's on that show yeah. as um. I don't think she's like a. I don't think she's a. Re, she's a reoccurring character, sure. is what she is. Yeah, sure. a, and so she doesn't work at the restaurant. Yeah, but she's like a friend of somebody in the restaurant, yeah. and several of them slept with the same person. Yeah, she's one of them. That's the. I mean, that's the Jacks, the Jax, bartender. Yeah, they that's, all slept with him. That's the crux of the show. That's like, the whole show. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. you've uh, uh, because uh, when Rebecca was on uh, Screwed Up Stories, uh, she mentioned it, um, the connection to Vanderpump Rules. So. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah. I guess I made I made that happen for Rebecca. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I did that for her. You know, I see. whereas I just want to take credit for things that yeah. um, nobody really asked me for. But you know what I mean? I need to win. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. this is the second time you're you're a second timer on Friends Without Benefits. I know we have so no benefits together. No, I know, and it continues that it's without. It's just there's. And I, you know, I got to imagine since the first time you've been on, like, things have happened. But just to, like, kind of recap. I know you're from Pennsylvania. I am. I'm from Pittsburgh. Mm. They call that the Ohio Valley. They also call it something else. What? Schittsburg. That's not true. Do they? Yeah, at least one person has. I don't, I, I it's not me. I, I've never been there. <laughs> we used to say, uh, yeah, people would say, eat shit, Pitt, for the school. Right. right. The Penn State Pitt was a big, like, rivalry sure. or something. Yeah, and Penn State, I mean, is like an amazing. My brother was gonna go there, maybe something to do with wrestling. They have like a big wrestling program. Happy Valley. Okay, is there a documentary on Happy Valley? Well, yeah, because of the whole Sandusky thing, and also, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a whole scandal, and it's really hard to look at that school in any other way. Plus, one time they um, highlighted. They highlighted Penn State on NPR. Was on This American Life, and it was all about the drinking culture, and like that is how I grew up as well, and I, I I hate that. Did you grow up? Did you grow up with that and hate it, or did you not? That wasn't part of who you are, and that's why you hate it. Well, I do drink, but I guess I mean like it was just like football, yeah. and you know you're a cheerleader and you cheer for him, and girls are shit. It was just so much misogyny going mm. on. It really was, and I, that whole football culture, and that, that there was so much weight on it, and it's like, it's just for what? I think. I, I think. I I think Poison is from Pittsburgh. I'm not really sure the band Poison. The ban- no, no, but uh, Wild Cherry was. Okay. Or is. Uh, funk- okay. I know Poison is from Pennsylvania. I just don't know what part. I see. Maybe Philly. Maybe. I thought it was P- Pittsburgh. G-Love. No, Pittsburgh would be um, Rusted Root. Oh, oh G-Love and Special Sauce. That's Philly. That's Philly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we won't get into too much Rusted Root. I guess I don't do the song. Where, so what, what were you like? They still use that song "Send Me on My Way." Yeah. They still use that in commercials all the time. I know it's unbelievable. I mean, good for them. Good for them. Get that money or whatever it is. There's certain songs in life, like in the '60s and '70s. You think back at that era, and they just keep playing those songs. They use them in a lot of movies now. Like they'll they'll repurpose and like re-edit, like uh, you know, totally. Like a Tarantino movie will all of a sudden, you know, they'll pull up from a song from America. Yeah. You know, just totally random, but yet it fits. Yeah. It's kind of neat. They kind of are blending cultures and ages. And I and no one complains. No one's like, oh, it's an old song. It just works. It just works. It just works. And also, like, I feel like in the 20s and 30s, I mean, don't, no, don't anybody else, you know, not don't all the seniors out there write me at once. But I feel like there was a lot of shit music. Yeah. But, like, I grew up in the 70s, and it, music was pretty good. I mean, there was, a lot, there was a lot of yacht rock and stuff, but it was still... 
quality songwriting, just like the films in the seventies. Sure. A lot of a lot of punk and uh, a lot of art. Yeah, a lot of culture uh, yeah. going on. Right. When you, when like everyone was like cruising in their like uh, Camaros or whatever, Pitching uh, Camaro man, yeah, yeah. And the dead milkman. They're from Pennsylvania too. They're from there Philly. You go. I think they're from Philly. Dead milkman. A dead sure. milkman of Philly. Philly. Well, maybe yeah. they're even. Maybe they're even Scranton. Oh, maybe. Huh. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, we got you know what I mean. We're we're really we're really dropping the, uh, the, the <laughs> references. The, yeah, Pennsylvania is really getting a lot of love right now, uh, but it deserves it. My brother lives right out, outside of Philly. Is it's it right? like, it, yeah. lands down or land Lancaster lands something down. like yeah. it's something like that. He lives out, out he lives out there. Yeah. Um, uh, but when when everyone else was like cruising in their Camaros and stuff like that and doing donuts or whatever, what were you like? What what was your what were you doing? We did a lot of that too because you know there wasn't any. Um, coffee shops and stuff back then so yeah. to hang out we would just meet in a parking lot like right. at the swim club or at a movie theater parking lot and we would just gather in one of our cars and we would drink malt duck do you know what that is uh -uh. it's like a purple beverage it's like a malt beverage kind of like a bartles and james or um you know um, so it's sweet it's sweet, right. It's not beer or wine. It's a combination just to get you sick. I mean, it's just disgusting. And Riuniti wine, in the, the, the tag was Riuniti on ice. Yeah, I remember Tastes that. Tastes nice. Yeah. <laughs> Something really bad. And we would just hang and we would drive, you know, drunk or just meet in a parking lot. Smoke Nobody's weed. wearing seatbelts. Nobody's. There are no seatbelts. Yeah. I don't even know if there are seatbelts. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't remember ever driving drunk, actually, when I was a teenager, but it was more, and in fact, I don't remember really getting drunk as a teenager. We would just have a beer, like a warm Stroh's, and you'd pass it around, and it tasted horrible, but it was just the idea of it was like a conversation piece. Same with smoking pot. It was just sure. a reason to hang, and I wasn't, um, for a while there, until I was about 15, I was doing like the cheerleader thing and the, and the you know, the student council thing and, and the talent show thing. But then at 15, my dad left the family and then everything changed. Then I became a stoner, quit all those other activities and then skipped a lot of school and drank a lot of malt duck. Right. So at, at, at 15, it all kind of... Uh, it all came crumbling down. Yeah. It all kind of brought you to here right now. Exactly. And it actually, yeah, kind of made me grow up pretty quick. And when did you, this is just a, you know, because you, you listen to that first episode, you're going to get a little more deep dive, but when did you come, did you, where, when, from uh, Pittsburgh, where was your next stop? So, you know, I lived in Pittsburgh, um, I went to college there and I graduated, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, so I was just waitressing at a restaurant, and then I saw an ad to become a potential flight attendant, and I went to the open house. And in fact, I got chosen to be, you know, in the training program. So I went through the seven, seven weeks of training and then I became a flight attendant. So at that point, I still was based in, actually, I was based in D.C. for a while in Baltimore and then I was based in Pittsburgh. But I, w I ended up being a flight attendant for seven years. For who? Or for U.S. Air. US Air okay. And then it turned into U.S. Airways and, right. you know, they were accruing all sorts of airlines back then. When Came you were on, on there, when you were... Uh, there was smoking There was smoking? Still, okay. There was still there's, there's smoking. There's little ashtrays. Yep. And the, okay. Yep. In fact, you could tell an old airplane now, if you look up and you see the call light has a, a girl in a dress. Yeah, then you know it's... That's uh, an old plane. Or if you see the ashtray in the in the arm of the chair. Was there anything that you remember from being a flight attendant that like this would beside like obviously like smoking? Yeah. Uh, anything that would definitely not not pass. Tons today. of things. Yeah. Tons of things. It's so funny. And I actually am doing. I was telling you, I'm doing this solo show at the White Fire Theater in February, surviving the ride. And in in the show, I do five stories about being a flight attendant. And there are so many um, so many interesting stories. 
some of the things that are different are we always had a key, a cockpit key, and we could just open the cockpit anytime we wanted and go up into the cockpit. The key. The I feel door, like that was in a lot of movies too. It's yeah, just like the door, out. but always the cockpit door was like paper thin. I mean, it's, it was always like less than a bathroom door, like less than a door that slides into the wall, like just like a really flimsy, flimsy yeah. ridiculous door. So that was very different. And um, we always had a lot of glassware back then. We had a lot of glassware, not only in in first class, but in coach. We had a lot of real silverware. We had a lot of weight on the plane. They'd taken all the weight off. So we used to have a lot of magazines, pillows, blankets, all those things added weight to the aircraft. Like all the little mini bottles were glass. Now they're all plastic. So everything has gotten lighter. They've taken off soaps off the plane. Now they have a liquid dispenser. So everything is about dropping weight because of the fuel costs. So it's not necessarily to be cheap. It's, it's, it's I no, mean, it is. It, well, it's for fuel costs because if, yeah. the, the heavier the plane, the more fuel. But not cheap for the sake of like, uh, oh, we just, we want to use plastic because we're cheap for the bottles. It was really a bigger picture. But it was also 9 11 changed so many things, yeah. right? So the security, of course, has changed dramatically, but also, you know, knives in the cabin. We had steak knives in, in first class. Yeah. We had real corkscrews. We had, you know, it was just, it was just a different environment altogether i mean when i was a flight attendant we used to do i swear to god a hot breakfast from pit to philly that's like a 43 minute flight and we would be slinging out hot meals you know what i mean pancakes or eggs pancakes or eggs chicken or beef chicken or beef when we would do level one service which means across the country so say from philly to la we would do like nine services the first service would be on the ground before you even took off we would go through the cabin coach with little plastic boxes, plastic uh, cups of either orange juice, orange juice or champagne, and you'd say orange juice, champagne, orange juice, champagne. So that would be like the first pass through the cabin. Then we'd do like the beverage pass. Then we would do you know a meal pass. Then we would do another beverage. At the end of the thing, we would do we would do mints and hot towels. At one point during this level one service, we would do ice cream sandwiches. Wow. I know. It That's, was unbelievable. Uh, when you fly now, do you like, does it kind of kind of resonate with you to watch kind of like the other, you know, flight attendants yeah. now and, and compare to then? Or are you just kind sometimes, of. Sometimes, sometimes I do because it makes me laugh. Like for number one, number one, it seems much more casual now. Like when I was a flight attendant, we had to wear high heels at all times. Unless we were over 10,000 feet, then we could slip on our Navy, our Navy flats. You know, the uniforms could not have been more unflattering when I was a flight attendant in the late 80s and 90s. You know, it was, you always had to button up your collar with this stupid tag or this big crazy um, bow and a lot of mauve clothes and name tags. And it was just, so now flight attendants look a little more hip. They look a little more relaxed, taking the job for what it is, which is really a blue collar job based in service, like a waitress in the sky, really. But one of the things that I really notice and makes me laugh is the difference in the way money is handled. Now on airplanes, there's no more cash. Everything's by card. When I was a flight attendant, it was all cash, all cash. So if you were working on a trip for three or four days and you were flying in the C position or whatever and, and you were in charge of all the liquor and the headset money, you could be walking around with four thousand, five thousand dollars in your bag. So they gotta cash that out at some point. Or you gotta, you gotta turn it into the safe, but only in certain cities along the way. And anyway, the point is, is there was a lot of theft going on when I was a flight attendant. Like they say, there's a guy down in Marina del Rey who owns a boat that he calls Headsets. I don't know if that's true. Well, conspiracy. 
<laughs> but there was now I can imagine they're saving a lot more money by no cash, no more cash on the plane. Well, uh, did, when you did it overall, did you enjoy doing it? Oh yeah, yeah, man. I was young. I was twenty three, twenty four. You know, I was in my twenties and uh, dated, had a lot of boyfriends in different places, and uh, went a lot of went all over the world. And I, I you know, on my time off, I mean, you know, like I backpacked across Europe and across Thailand, across. Uh, Thailand, um, Australia, and you know, just traveled extensively, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. What made you get out of it? Well, it's repetitive and it's boring, and you can't get ahead because it's based on seniority. So you can be the worst flight attendant in the world, but you're more important to the company than I am because you have a day more seniority. And I can be the best flight attendant in the world, and it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's just really, um, it's your cattle. Like we didn't even have the, when you were called by scheduling, it was just like. And by the way, I had a beeper back then. I had a beeper the whole seven years I was there. I never had a schedule. So your beeper would go, one minute you're going to a football game and then you're going to Buffalo, you know. Or one minute you're on your way to a, a you know, your family function and then, no, you're going to Santa Fe. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, what was I going to tell you? I forget what I was just going to tell you. So from there, like what was your Oh, I was going to say do? that there was no, there's no way to get ahead. So it was just, um, it's repetitive. It's customer service. It's just... It's just like waitressing, really, but you're in the sky. And now it must be easier in some ways because there are less amenities, and I think they're treated with flight attendants are treated with more respect. But also, uh, it would be easier because there's cell phones and there's things to do, you know. And when I was a flight attendant, we would be f we would be running off the plane every time we landed to get to a payphone. So we could, you know, dial in our huge code to make a call. You know, uh, you know, I was reading. I remember reading like two novels a week because I could. There was nothing to do but read. You know, and so now I imagine it's very different. You don't need to read. Yeah, really, nobody reads. No, no more Who books. Reads? Get out of here with the books. So boring. What was your next step from? Uh... So then I decided. Actually, I had a near kind of a near miss, an engine blowout kind of situation, and uh, that in part with what I was just telling you about customer service and how boring it got. I decided to leave uh, my, my um, I decided I didn't want to be a flight attendant anymore and I, I applied for the Peace Corps because the Peace Corps, I could like, you know, actually give back and do something that might be meaningful. Plus I could kind of move out of the States and go somewhere and kind of take a break in a way. It's like, probably more enriching. I, was, I wanted to play like guitar. I wanted to come back after two years like Melissa Etheridge. Like I just wanted to like kind of get away, get a lot of sleep. I had been dating a lot and traveling a lot, and uh, I just needed to slow it all down. And I thought, you know, if I go live somewhere else, then, you know, I could help out other folks. Sure, and change up your... Change it up, man. Uh, so, uh, I mean, story, so yeah. I applied, you yeah. know, but it took like a year to get accepted. It's very, sure. um, it's a very long process to get into the Peace Corps. I'm sure it still is, because they're sending you away for 27 months. They need to know who you are yeah. so it's quite lengthy the application process i remember at one point i got nominated and i had a meeting and it was in the world trade center and they were only on like the ninth floor quite quite a low floor for that building yeah uh, and i remember being in the world trade center and looking up at the restaurant remember the restaurant was called T top of the world oh yeah 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 i mean of course yeah yeah and i, w I remember thinking like oh, someday man i i want to eat up there like yeah. that would be that would be the shit yeah um so like let's just we'll cut to uh story worthy which you're still doing yeah uh and you know podcasting obviously even since we've last talked has has grown and changed it changes every day man and when you started story worthy 
I think, I mean, we were kind of discussing kind of uh, off the record that there was less podcasts to compete with in general, right? Yeah, there was uh, WTF, of course, yeah. Mark Maron. There was Adam Carolla. There was a lot of shows, but not that many. I mean, I remember routinely getting in the top 10 because the field was just smaller. And uh, with that, did you kind of see the fact, did you think that you were like, uh, like all these other shows would like podcasting would become what it is now? No or? way. No way. I had no idea it would be this Because crazy. it's almost like, you know, you know, radio goes to MTV and then, yeah. you know, then there's like everything and then everything's like video, but it seems like, you know, things like, you know, serious uh, XM and, and, and radio and, you know, obviously podcasting and like listening is so vibrant. So it's almost kind of come all the way back around yeah. and anyone can do it, which is great. But there's how do you, there's a purity to yeah. it, you know? Yeah. So, and you've been doing it for eight, seven, eight years, eight and a half years, eight and a half years. July, I started in April, 2010. So that's almost three, it's almost nine years. It's almost nine years, Jason. How, Jesus. there's had to have been times just like anything where you're just like, should I keep doing this? I, I do. It happens all the time. Yeah. Sucks. And what, cause I'm, you know, probably people, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people who have had a podcast for eight or nine years. Just uh, it's statistically, so funny. It's not I think possible. statistically, it's ninety percent of podcasts stop within the first three shows. Yeah. When people ask me about podcasting, I always tell them, "I think this is great. Good for you. This is all your ideas are perfect. Good for you. Just start writing it all down, and record five shows. You already be. And then, <sighs> and then start dropping them. But don't don't drop anything until you have five in the bank. Because you got to get a flow to it, whether you, you even enjoy it. Yeah. A lot of people blow their wad like in one or two shows because they're excited. And they need to, no, no, set a time limit on yourself. Give yourself a syllabus, as it were, like a timeline or a structure and um, a template. And then go for that and decide, is it 30 minutes, is it 45, whatever. And then stick to that for five shows. And if you can do that, you, you have a good chance of you know making it to 10 shows. I think there's also a statistic that the... Like I don't know if it's like eighty five percent of shows like get less than one hundred and fifty downloads per episode. Nuh-uh. It's, it's some well because the thing is I think that that top ten or fifteen percent is still like a huge gap. I you suppose, know, be- yeah. between number one and there. So I think because there's so many shows that yeah. you know only put like you said put out a couple episodes or they put things out and they have no you know, just posting on Facebook or whatever. Unfortunately, there's just so many shows. It's like, they don't do you, die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what's like I guess changed from the you know from when you started podcasting you know the way you're doing it as and as time has gone on like has there been any kind of like huge shift in what you've done or not changed? so much as what what I've done but I've seen a lot of shifts in podcasts in general obviously the true crime thing you know is out of control as you know um, and also people are bundling their shows like in series so they're deciding okay we're going to do this ten part series on Charles Manson or this ten part series on you know one subject Vietnam or whatever so it's almost like bits of documentaries it's almost more like programming for netflix so that's very interesting i don't do that but i know that that's an interesting way that things have changed also of course you've got a lot of more famous people who've just jumped on board you know why because they can so katie kirk has a show and anna ferris has a show and alec baldwin has a show and guess what they're all pretty damn good yeah yeah like honestly all that programming is pretty good, and I think part of that is because they've got people working for them that understand brevity, they understand how to produce, they understand post-production and pre-production, because there's a lot that goes into every show if you're not prepared. I mean, if you're not prepared, it's, it's just not going to... If you're not the want the quarterback of the show, then there is no quarterback of the show. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
No, I, it's, I mean, I think it's like people like yourself have like probably paved the way for a lot of other people to, you know, cause there's got, there had to, since you were like one of a few shows back then, somebody at some point had to listen to story worthy to be like, well, what's the deal? How does this go? Oh, I like story, you know, yeah. storytelling Maybe. is such a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I still hear a, a lot of podcasts out there that are just, in my opinion, like screwing up big time. But they just ramble and it goes on and on. And it's like, then they'll say things literally like, so what else do you want to talk about? Yeah. And I, it's like, again, is there a quarterback on that show or is there is there anybody in charge? I think it's because, you know, you sit around with people and you're, you're like, this would be so, in, this should be a TV show. This should be a podcast. And it's only because you, you assume that yeah. everyone else is going to enjoy your inside you know, right. jokes or, you know, your inside baseball about what you're talking about. And you got to have to kind of speak to like, try to speak to almost everybody. It's, um, it's, uh, my worst story when people bring a true story to my show, I, I tell them any true story and I just want to know the topic. And I say yes to everything because everybody has their own story and their own way to tell it. But my least favorite story people bring to the table and I often dissuade them is a drug story about being on drugs or about partying with their friends. Because you know what, Jason? You really needed to be there. Yeah. I, like I don't you, I, I don't, don't believe care. how he was. Oh, he was acting so crazy. Like, yeah. I'm not interested. I mean, unless you ran into like Obama when you're on but drugs. But that's a different story. Right. That's a yeah. different story. Sure. Yeah. It's so, the time I met Obama. Would but be. it also really depends on what you want to get out of podcasting. There's nothing wrong with just wanting to hang in your basement and, 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 and make a podcast and, 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 you know, and jerk around with your friends, whatever. Like you might do a YouTube video or, or any other, or any other medium. But if you want to make money at podcasting or you actually want to create something that's going to have some legs and going to last, then you do need to think about it before you ever start putting them out there. Have you ever ever like done anything like switched a gear that you found like helped? No, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made so many mistakes and I guess those are learning points. One, for instance, um, in 2014, I decided that my dad had died and I was just in a, you know, uh, it was a bad space and I just wanted to amp up everything. And so my head said this, and these aren't the exact numbers, but let's go with this. I said to myself, I'm getting 10,000 downloads a week. How can I get 20,000 downloads a week? And then I thought, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Adam Carolla records five days a week. Mark Marin records twice a week. Howard Stern, three days a week. These are my heroes. Well, I can't get those numbers because I'm only one day a week. I'm going to do two shows a week. And I committed. I think it was an eight-month period. I said to myself, I will do two shows a week. So not four shows a month. I will do eight shows a month for like eight-month period. And what do you think happened? Well, I we had discussions, so I know. Oh, you happened. know what happened. I know what happened. Yeah, it backfired. Well, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard both. I mean, I've heard obviously both sides of the thing. Now, were they both, both those episodes... Uh, the same uh, format, same amount of time. Same everything, okay. but I was giving people a choice of what story and what person they wanted to hear. I didn't, I wasn't able to get another hour of their life. I'm not big enough, or I yeah. don't have, I'm not good enough, or I'm not exactly sure why, but I couldn't just say, give me one more hour of your life. So, so that didn't work. And I went back to one a week and, you know, spacing them out and, and letting it breathe a little bit and realizing that people have a queue of stuff to watch. So like me and my daughter love to watch the Goldbergs. If it was on twice a week, yes, we would watch it twice a week. Three times a week, maybe not. So it, yeah. ju it just depends. Uh, uh, Ghost Town uh, right now. Yes. For, for at least this month, we are doing like a listener 
suggestion show on Fridays, but they're mini episodes. So yeah. they're, you know, they're maybe, maybe 10, 15 yeah, minutes, yeah. real short. Uh, and it has, so far, it's proven um, they're getting the same numbers as the, we did some in December, which were Christmas related. So they, they definitely did well because I think they were Christmas related and around that time. I, I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable. We're just trying it for January just for the heck of it. Um, but I think it's because uh, it's, it's kind of subject. Uh, so it would be like this place and then this place. And some people, when it, I think when it comes to like true crime or like abandoned or haunted, they're like, yeah, I just want as much of that as possible. Maybe not from us necessarily, but I think in general. Yeah. So we're trying it for January. It's but, great to have but, those choices. And isn't plus, it? it's not the commitment of, listen, if we make a 10, 15 minute episode and it doesn't do well, this it's not a huge loss. Right, right, we're right. not doing like a ton of research on it right. as we would do like one of the main episodes, which we, you know, is more, a little more premium, I guess. Although I, I, you know, I find that, you know, some of these little ones are, uh, also really super interesting because you know it's something that's a little bit regional or something so uh yeah i mean that because the thing is it's like two a week is good but it's like is is it like because it's possibly searchable for two a week if somebody but that's not how it really I'm not works sure. i'm yeah, really not sure yeah. i'm really not sure so i feel like uh, one a week is effective and what i did was i started a whole nother podcast so yeah. now i'm essentially on twice a week anyway <laughs> So we're talking about screwed up stories. <laughs> screwed up stories, yeah, with Rachel O'Brien, who you mentioned. Yes. And that podcast is on Westwood One uh, podcast. And it's mainly uh, female-based. The idea is different generations, different generations of women coming together and sharing their screwed up stories. And surprise, surprise, we have a lot in common. Would you were you surprised like surprised at that? That uh, like that did you know going in into it? In a way, it? I am surprised. Because like for instance, uh, this show hasn't aired yet. But we've got artist Aleka Corwin coming in, and her topic is um, sleeping with multiple people, or what, what is it? It's, it's mo- having multiple partners. She has slept with over 100 guys. She's 70. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just, it's just fascinating, no matter how old you are, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever age you are, there's a lot of common themes. Screwing up with men is a big one. But there's also health-related issues, food-related issues, family-related issues, siblings, you know, children, motherhood, those sorts of things too. So it's not just sex and love, uh, but it mostly is. What, well, what, the things that we screw up the most are usually... Yeah, like, like some of the topics have been a spontaneous sexual weekend, uh, my affair with a pizza guy, sleeping with two guys at the same time. I mean, so there's definitely a theme there. Uh, so, but, but it's, uh, it's empowering. It's like the Me Too movement and women are saying, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up, but it's, you know, it's all right. Like this guy, girl was on the other day, Rebecca Lieb, talking with sleeping with her college professor. And that was... She's also the co-host of Ghost Town. Yeah. And, uh, we probably won't be bringing it up on Ghost Town, so make sure you, li- you listen to this on Screwed Up, screwed up, up Stories. stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, um, it's a good story. It's a sad story to me because she was only 18 and clearly being taken advantage of. But again, I had, you know, here's Rebecca, 20 years younger than me. And when I was in college, I was 19 and I met a guy 31 and he swept me off my feet and married me, then got another girl pregnant while we were married. So it's, I was like seeing the parallel in my life. And here we have a girl 20 years younger than me going through kind of, she went through the same thing. I mean, 
guys are crappy no matter what generation Thanks, you're in, right? As this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, listen, there's some success stories too, really. Yeah. There are some, uh, I have none come to mind, uh, but I know that there are. Well, the show is still young. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it is called Screwed Up Stories. Yeah. It's not called uh, but you I have, Found can, My can, Bliss. Can you have a screwed up story that's like, but because of this huge screw up, I ended up on top in some way. You listen, know? man, I swear to God, every screw up in life, and I've been through a lot of tragedy in my life. I've been through a lot of things that did not go as planned, like everybody. And they all do. Change does seem to bring the best at the end of the day. It's hard to sometimes feel it at first, but something happens. Like I'm a cancer survivor. That was horrible, but you know what? I'm in Los Angeles now. You know, maybe that wouldn't have happened had I not had that scare. So I'm just just saying everything happens for a reason. And so all these screw-ups it, it comes down to a body of our work, right? Our body of our life. If you live to 85, you say, oh, yeah, I remember when I did this thing for two years, a couple of, you know what I mean? I went in my early 20s. I slept with that girl. I did that thing, you know, whatever. And now you're 85 and, you know, yeah, it's I part of your I, history. I don't know what that thing is. Though. I'm trying what is to that think. Thing? I don't what know is that, you thing? that well. Oh, I don't know. That thing is probably something with me wearing socks. I would I'd imagine <laughs> it's probably something with me wearing socks. Uh, do you know? Do you think that the, you know, obviously the, it's not the advent of it, but the the impact that social media has brings these generations together a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Or, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it definitely. It well, I mean, it definitely does because people are you know voicing themselves, and it's like, hey, we have this in common. Sometimes it's like, you are you really sound your generation. Like through a megaphone sure. sometimes, but uh, I was thinking through, through your show. Do you find that because of that? Like, if you did this show in the '90s, would would it be the the connection between the generations be a little bit different? Uh, probably because I think it's getting more. Mo- 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 is it the word monogamous? No, I think it's misogynist. What's the number? The word. Uh, I think feel like the like I'm in my fifties, yeah. but I have a lot in common with people in my thirties. It's not like when I was in my thirties, I'd stop people in their fifties and I thought, you know, they're so old, you know, or something. And I don't, I feel like it's different. I think that uh, social media brought a lot of us together in that way because it kind of crosses over the seeing somebody face to face that is a different age. So now it's more in our words and in the way we receive the messages. You know, you know, cause you really, uh, cause you know, a live show, uh, your story worthy live show was a, it was called Shotgun Story. Story Smash. Story I have Smash. A game show called Story Smash. So you, you know, stories are, are, are forever and universal, and everyone like tell me a story. I yeah. want to hear a story, and that's like the the yeah. uh, the kind of bottom line of it. Uh, it's my brand, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have the stories really changed? Have stories yeah, changed? I think so. Yeah. I do. I think so. People are more willing to talk about. Stuff well, I, okay. Before. So that's what I was. Uh, uh, because you know, before it's like always put on your best face, and there's a lot of that on social Especially media. Especially for women, are you kidding? Mm. Don't admit that you you couldn't say you were raped. You yeah, could, you wouldn't right. say that your husband cheated on you. You wouldn't say these things. You were too embarrassed. You wouldn't say that your child was pregnant. You'd send her away to a, a camp for six months. You know, I'm just saying, like people didn't talk about. It's everything has changed. And now it seems like there's you know with things like shows like like The Moth or mm-hmm. uh, Mortified is another yeah. show. I feel like that there's. I'm not saying that 
you know, people love talking about their misery, but there's something to be celebrated about admitting or sharing like, hey, you know, like I screwed up. I think so. Uh, You know. um, Everybody has a story and nobody's life is perfect. You know, even the people you see, celebrities and you think they have this going or that going, it's ridiculous. What are you talking about? They're just regular human people, human beings that want... You know, not Trump. I'm not saying that person, but yeah, like right. everybody else in the world <laughs> yeah. seems to have a bit of decorum and a bit of, you know, sensitivity to be kind to one another. And sure. we all put our pants on and all, you know, most it, of us. Most of us, yeah, most of us put our pants on. Our pants are on right now, just in case anyone's was was wondering. Pants, pants are on. You know what I mean? Keep pants it, on, pants off podcasting. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Keep it professional. Yeah. Uh, so you're also doing a, this is not your first solo show. This is uh, not my first solo show, yeah. uh, but it is a really big deal for me because uh, it's called Surviving the Ride. I've been doing it for about six months, but I've got this big show coming up, so I've kind of polished it. Because, you know, you do this kind of solo show. It's not the best thing going out of the gate. It takes time. Do you know what I mean? You can't. You have to have feedback. You have to have – you change things. You you make you manipulate things and, and turn it around and cut, 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 and make it as best it can be. I think the first run of the show was like an hour 25, like – way too long so now it's an hour 10 and, and that makes the, all the difference in that it thing. makes a big difference and like at least for me like i'm talking about a lot of tragedy but it's all in an upbeat way and it's all of interest and i never you know i really pay pay mind and and pay attention to what the audience is doing because if i think people are bored there's going to be changes like i'm not going to possibly let anybody look down at their phone or want to take their eyes off now, what do you, I'm do you base that because you know I've been doing stand up and, and like if some a joke generally speaking always hits I'm like ooh keep it and if yeah, I do one definitely. sometimes if you do something once it really might be like people just are not interested it might be a good yeah. thing how many times would you test something to decide whether to keep it is it just like one time you see somebody looking down you're like I'm taking it out or <laughs> this show yeah. this show is like two times and it's okay out. so that, that's enough it. for yeah yeah so I had this particular show I had been doing stuff about my childhood and my dad and stuff and I cut it all out even even though they're good stories you have to cut your babies even though is it something like that cut your babies <laughs> yeah yeah but even though they're good stories it didn't fit for this show so this show called surviving the ride is just about you know going through my life as a flight attendant going through my life in the peace corps and then i did get a very serious illness and i survived it and got out to los angeles so it's kind of like it's like surviving failing surviving failing up and down up and down up and down but ultimately you just keep going I don't know how it all works, but you just do, and you survive the ride. Uh, you know, because I imagine there's going to be people that like can both relate and not relate, but the fact that they can't relate, there's like, oh, I've never like it's behind the curtain. It's of interest. I mean, the, the flight attendant stories are super interesting to me. Super I would love, especially back then, like yeah. what what the culture was. Or amazing. You even you talking about having like you know a big wad of cat. It just seems so archaic. But I rem- I remember being on a plane and then there being I was very young. We were, you know, with an ashtray in the, in oh, the yeah. armrest. We and- would have like a row. Let's say there were 32 rows on the plane, like on an MD-80 or something. With the rows one through six would be smoking, and then six through eight non-smoking, and then eight through 24 smoking, and then whatever. It would be like, it was. there was no discerning where you could smoke and where you couldn't. It was yeah. so stupid. What is it, does it really matter where you sit of at that point? Of course it wouldn't matter. No, it would never matter. But that's the way it was, so we didn't think anything of it. And then actually... They stopped um, smoking, I believe it was 1991 or 92 in the States, but they still would do smoking on international flights. And I just happened to like the flight attendants that smoked. For some reason, (laughs) they were like the cooler people to hang out with. I didn't smoke, but I would start doing international just to hang out with those people. 
I remember, I even still remember when I go to like a, a restaurant or something. And when you go and like, hey, is there, you know, any tables? I'll take smoking or non-smoking. Yeah, right. And, and I thought that because I was just like, I, I didn't smoke. First, yeah. It's first just whatever available. first, but I'm not super picky about it. But I, I mean, I remember that like almost seems like not too long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, okay, Pittsburgh, so, not that long ago yeah. at all when I go back to visit. I mean, now it's all no smoking, but for a long time. Yeah. Or you would, you know. You were doing it in middle school, right? Smoking. There's, there's, we had we had smoking areas in our high school. Yeah. yeah. At yeah. lunchtime, you could get a. A, a signature from your parent that would allow you, Christy can go out to the smoking area today. There was smoke breaks. If you had cool parents. If you had cool, well now everybody, it was a silly time, really well, silly. I used to, and I, I, I've talked about this, uh, maybe I don't know where, I talk, maybe I, I'm probably on Ghost Town talking about family stuff, but uh, with Rebecca, uh, I remember going and buying cigarettes for my mother as a kid. She would send me into the store, yeah, out of the station wagon, and I mean at like 8, 10, 11, and I would go in and they, they would not, it's like they knew it wasn't yeah. for me, but now you could not sell a pack of cigarettes yeah. to a nine-year-old. They just didn't have the information, I guess. Yeah. I was just like, this is a terrible idea. Why are you allowing me to – it was like I could have been – I don't know. I could, could have like started a business or I something. I always laughed the way we used to lay out in the sun. We would literally lay on silver blankets to have the oh, sun yeah. bake us. Like literally, you're getting blisters on your face. Worth it though. I remember like peeling days later, and then just like a whole layer of freckles would appear. It was like shit. We were so, we just didn't. That listen that that's uh, that's Schittsburg though for you. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> that the, the first of all, there's only sixty days of sun a year. Yeah, and they've already had forty two, and it's it's you gotta, February. You got to cash in. <laughs> so uh, there, you have story worthy that you story can, worthy that's story worthy podcast dot com yeah. yeah I can find that Apple podcast and real I mean you, how many episodes do you have of that five hundred and forty they're not even are they all on I they're all on Apple Podcasts I think they, Apple Podcasts only goes to three hundred though that yeah so that's why I was look I was kind of looking back I don't think they're all there your, yeah no, I don't think they're all there. But they exist. They exist. From 2010, the first episode was July 10th, 2010, with Sharon Houston. She okay. was my first guest. Do you have episodes? Just out of, I'm just jumping around. You have do you have episodes that for some reason if, that are not current that still get like a lot of listens for some reason? Um, I have. I had an interview with Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh, okay. That gets yeah. a lot of hits. Yeah. It was 2014. Yeah. Yeah, Ray. You know, and he's such a good guy. He just wrote to me or not wrote to me I wrote to him because I'm seeing this guy who happened to really love him in the 70s and I told him sure, yeah. I said you know I know him you know I worked with him and he didn't believe me I said I swear to God and so I wrote to Ray and he sent me a video of himself yeah. saying hey the guy's name this is uh, Ray Leonard I'm yeah. a friend of Christine Blackburn's and uh, she is a lovely young lady so is he living in Los Angeles? yeah he mm. lives right over there in uh, Bre okay. Brentwood oh anyway, okay or the, yeah. or the Palisades right yeah, there yeah of course but the point is is he left that message for me to send to my friend. I sent it to my friend, and he's like, no way, no way. Because and I like, guess in theory, like, give so many episodes, you don't know what people might find somewhere. I've searched for things. I've searched for interviews yeah. for, for, like, certain celebrities or, sure. or noteworthy. And, you know, and there might be an, an episode from 2013 on somebody's podcast. So yeah. I guess you never really know yeah. what, what people are finding. Now, Screwed Up Stories is not out. As we're speaking. Uh, no, it is out. Oh, it's it, out. It came out uh, December 17th. Okay. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. So we, have, we have about it. six or seven episodes okay. out, me and Rachel O'Brien. And basically, like I said, we're talking to different generations of women and hearing their screwed up stories. And we commiserate. And we laugh. And we laugh some more. And we laugh some more. And we're out in 32 minutes. Who, who brings the... 
who, is there a topic or any screwed up story? True, okay. a true ten minute screwed up story. So uh, people bring whatever they want to talk about. You know, it could be serious, like a drug addi- addiction or a, a, a an eating disorder, or it can be just be a silly a silly story, uh, or it can you know it's so it's all over the board, but it's just screwed up, and uh, we all have those stories. So it's nice to commiserate. And you can find that uh, on Apple Podcasts yeah. or ScrewedUpStories.com. Yeah, and then now your so solo shows. It used to be like a one man show, one woman yeah. show, right? That's done. You have to say solo. I think is the uh, new. Word. Yeah, because I think there's like a connotation. It's like a little punchline of like, oh, I gotta yeah. see your one man show. I you know? know, I know, I know. It's so true, and so many have to do with cancer. So like, I don't even say that, even though I kind of cancer but i couldn't help it you know but i try so hard not to focus on that because so many of the stories are the same you know it's like i was healthy and i did these really fun things and then i got super sick and look at me i'm healthy again so what would because you know i say watch you know some stand-up specials that could almost be like they're very storytelling based a little bit sure is is there like a a, like an element of where people can watch and they're like oh i feel like a little bit like i'm watching some kind of stand-up I, I hope so. Boy, yeah. I sure would be flattered if that were the case. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I used to do stand-up comedy for years, and I was trying to get back into it, actually. But one time I took my script, and just for fun, I knocked out every, you know, I, like I made a copy of it, and now I'm on a new document, and I took out every line that wasn't a joke. It was a thin script. No, it wasn't that yeah, screen. Right, right. But, but, but it, you know, that is, I think, the ultimate goal. You know, you watch a Patton Oswalt special and he's telling stories but he's getting these major laughs even hannah gatsby last year sure she's telling a great story but she's hitting these major laughs and that's obviously that's the trajectory that's obviously where i want to get to i mean but it just takes in my experience tremendous amount of time and and rehearsing and trying but time kind of helps you know because more time passes the more in, in a sense like you're bringing more story to yourself to put out there. So you're bringing more courage to yourself because you're getting more of a fuck off attitude because you're getting older. And we know that this last chapter in our lives is the shortest chapter. So we, at least in my experience, you know, if I see the finish line, I'm going to speed up. I'm not going to slow down. Right. I like that. That's good. Thanks, and uh, so where 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 is that? Give us some details on that show. Okay, Solo Fest. It's at the White Fire uh, Theater in Sherman Oaks. So if you're in Los Angeles, oh, okay. February 16th, bring your honey, your sweetie, whoever yeah. you're dating to the show for Valentine's Day, Saturday, February 16th. Okay. I guarantee it's going to be a blast. It starts at 8 o'clock. It's a $20 ticket with a reception afterward. The show starts at 8. It's over at 9.15. Very nice hour, 15-minute show, and then we have wine, and we chat, and you leave, and everybody's happy. Yeah. I mean, that's the the, the goal for everyone to be happy. ChristineBlackman.com. Yeah, you you guarantee that everyone will be happy. Great. That's here. I swear to God. And uh, ChristineBlackman.com. That's it. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. 